0: Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. If you're facing big challenges or even impossible situations, if someone you care about is facing such challenges, then I believe that this Shabbat will be useful to you to encourage you and to empower you. This is the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av called Shabbat Chazon. Can you say that with me? Shabbat Chazon. And Chazon means vision or prophetic Revelation, not to be confused with calzone. <laughs> Though with pizza today in the Oneg, <laughs> one day we'll have Shabbat calzone, I, I believe. We'll fold over our pizzas. But this is chazon, chazon. Without chazon, the people perish, or they Cast off restraint. Shabbat Chazon is useful to us, and I want to to strengthen your vision by giving you some practical ways to approach prayer and to pray in certain ways that can be useful and effective for you when you're facing challenges or you're facing impossible situations. I, I remember a time... Close to 40 years ago, when the Lord stirred up faith in me for impossible situations. And so we had many people, this is back when I lived in Roanoke, Virginia, and we had many people who were facing impossible situations, and for some reason, faith was alive in me and stirring, and I was praying for them, and we were seeing breakthroughs occur. And then, I started praying Lord give us impossible situations and I did not put any conditions on them which later turned out to be uh, regretful for me because I had faith for other people's impossible situations and then the Lord started giving me mm -hmm, yeah impossible situations of my own And I don't know about you, but you may have faced that kind of situation, too, where you found it easier to pray for other people's difficulties, but when it was time to pray for yours, it could have been a challenge. And so I've gone through times like that, where I had situations that I thought were impossible, and I had to deal with the Lord to learn how to pray and how to press into him. And in fact, I think each one of us may face this kind of challenge in our walk with God. We have to discover how to pray in different kinds of situations. And I want to also tell you this morning about four useless ways to pray. You, you probably won't hear that anywhere else. But I've discovered some really useless ways, ways that just waste time and energy. And so I want to alert you to these so that you can avoid uh, doing stuff that's not going to move you forward at all. Moving forward during times of challenge requires preparation. And the heart has to be prepared, the mind has to be prepared, and that's why I want to talk to you today about what I call Kadima prayer. Say Kadima, it's a word that's familiar to many of you because we use it often, Kadima is Hebrew for forward or charge, and it is the topic this morning that I want to focus on, praying in a way that moves you forward. And when we're facing a new challenge or even an impossible situation, a problem that may seem too big for us, or in fact is too big for us, we have a secret weapon. We're not on our own. We can pray. And it's not that all prayer will actually move us forward. Some won't. And we don't want to waste time. We don't want to waste effort on useless prayer. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but we want to begin in the book of Deuteronomy, in Hebrew, Devarim. Can you say that with me? Devarim. It means words, and Deuteronomy is a copy of the law, or a second law. It's a repetition, it's Moses' review, and Devarim, which gives us a focus, you could say the words the Lord gave Moses, that's one of the ways of... of, uh, looking at this book, Moses reviews the promises of God. He reviews the challenges that Israel has already faced. He reviews the faithfulness of the God of Israel so far. And he wants to prepare for the challenges that are ahead. And he has hope, he has hope that the people will get their attitudes and perspectives right especially the younger generation, those who are going to go into the promised land, because the ones who had been in slavery and came out of slavery are not going into the promised land, it's the new generation that is. And so they need hope as they see this change taking place and they also need to get their hearts and minds right. So young people, have to focus on what's ahead as well. It's important for everyone to get their emotions and their feelings right together with their thoughts and with their understandings. So with that in mind, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 28 through 33. And Moses recalls that 12 spies went into the promised land and 10 of them came back with a bad report too, Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. And they in fact, those two will go into the land, but the others would not. The ten who came back with the bad report is who Moses is referring to when he says in verse 28, our brothers made our courage fail when they said the people are bigger and taller than we are, the cities are great and fortified up to the sky, and finally we've seen the Anakim, the Anakim, the giants there. Verse 29, Moses says, I answered you, don't be fearful, don't be afraid of them. Easier said than done, isn't that true? Verse 30, Adonai your God. Very important piece of language here. It's not just Adonai, who is God. It's Adonai, your God. And it's important when you're facing challenge, when you are looking at the future to to recognize that your God is watching over your life. Adonai, your God who is going ahead of you. Isn't that interesting? He will fight on your behalf just as he accomplished all those things for you in Egypt before your eyes. And likewise in the desert, where you saw how Adonai, your God, carried you like a man carries his child along the entire way you traveled until you arrived at this place. Yet in this matter, yet in this matter, you don't trust Adonai, your God. Even though he went ahead of you, seeking out places for you to pitch your tents and showing you which way to go by fire at night and by a cloud during the day. So Moses is speaking very clearly. He's talking to Israel. He's telling the truth. excuse me, while I take some water. He's telling Israel the truth about the challenge that the people of Israel lost their courage and gave in to fear. And so I want to point out to you today that when we're facing challenges, there are four things that are really important for us to have. One of them is courage. When courage fails, it can defeat us no matter what. Courage to face fearful situations is so important rather than to run away in fear. Have you ever had a desire to just run away? A few of us. The rest of you are... Always courageous. (laughs) You have looked every challenge right in the eye. (laughs) Let's be honest with ourselves. There have been times for most of us when we just said, you know what, I can't. Or when we thought, I'm afraid and there's a good reason. Because we know something about the Bible. When God says, don't be afraid, there's a reason. The reason is there's something to be afraid of. But there's another kind of fear that we have access to that is different than the fear that can paralyze us or cause us to run away. I think we've got to get our monitors um, somehow turned off. Thank you, Eric. We're getting a little feedback. I was going to say kickback, but that's something else. <laughs> we need courage. And it's, it's so important that the fear that motivates us is the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. and The fear of the Lord presses us into God. The fear of the Lord helps us stabilize ourselves in uncertain times. The fear of the Lord draws us closer to him rather than causes us to run away from him. And with the fear of the Lord, we can also add something else, and that is faith. The kind of faith that is is not doctrinal faith it's not theoretical or abstract faith it's trust it's trusting in god who is faithful so we need not just courage we need faith and courage we need confidence in hashem trusting in the lord and We want to have the courage and the faith, even in challenging situations, where we can talk to the Lord and we can tell him why we trust him. This is very important. When we express our faith, when we express it to him, our faith actually gets stronger. This is true. In in the same way, if you tell your spouse that that you love him or love her, your love gets stronger. If you tell your children that you love them, your love and their love get stronger. Saying it, hearing it when it's true, has power. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks right? So if it's really in our hearts, we can say it and we can say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you, Lord, and here's why. And we can remind ourselves that we trust him and that he's trustworthy. Now, it's not trusting in our faith. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about trusting in the Lord. There's a difference. We can, we can trust in prayer. I'm not telling you that. We can trust in scripture study, I'm not telling you that. We can trust in worship, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you something else. The Lord is who we can trust. And because the Lord is trustworthy, we can pray. Because the Lord is trustworthy, his word is true. Because the Lord is trustworthy, we can praise him in all situations, right? But there's a difference between trusting in our religious disciplines and practices and trusting the Lord. Courage and faith together with hope. Moses said something about how hope hope was, was being lost in the people. And it's important for us to To stir up hope, courage, faith, hope. Hope, what is it? It's the positive expectation of a future good. We hope for what you don't have. Have you ever lost your keys? And hoped you would find them? Me too. But I have my keys right now. I have my keys. I'm putting them in my pocket. I'm not hoping about my keys. I have them. We only hope for what we don't have. The fourth thing that we need, courage, faith, hope, we need desire. You gotta have the want to. If you don't have internal motivation, if, if you don't really care, everything else won't lead you to prayer. So courage, even Fear of the Lord, faith, trusting in the Lord, hope, expecting good even when you don't have it yet, and desire, wanting that which God wants. So with that in mind, I want to look once more at a passage that we considered last week, but a few extra verses that apply to us, Second Corinthians chapter one verse eight through 11. And I love the directness that Paul expresses here. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. or ignorant. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We want you to know about that. Three things we covered last week. Number one, we were under great pressure. Number two, it was far beyond our ability to endure. Number three, we despaired of life itself. And then let's go on. Paul says this, how many, how many think of Paul as being uh, sort of a superman kind of faith guy? I mean, he trusts the Lord, he, Paul makes it through difficult circumstances, but here he's telling the honest truth indeed. He says, we felt we had received the sentence of death. You know what that means. We were found guilty of something and the result was we were going to lose our life. That's what it felt like, that he was waiting for his own execution. I've, I've been with people on death row. Some of you have too. And you know It it makes normal thought almost impossible. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but, I'm so glad that that word is in there, but. But, this happened so that we might might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now that's provocative in a couple of ways. Paul is saying it wasn't without purpose. There was some purpose in it. We got to the end of our strength, of our mental health, of our emotional capacity, of our spiritual um, ability. We were beyond ourselves. The pressure was so great. It was beyond our ability in every dimension beyond our ability to endure. And so we couldn't rely on ourselves. There had to be another solution. We had to rely on God. On God who raises the dead. Now that's really provocative because it means that the hope that Paul had was in resurrection life which meant this, that if they, in fact, were sentenced to death, if, in fact, they were going to be executed, if, in fact, it it wasn't paranoia, or it wasn't just emotional turmoil, it was reality, the trouble was so great that they were going to be killed. Then Paul was saying, We can't raise ourselves, but we serve a God who can raise the dead. And so our life may appear to be over because our life in this world would be over, but not our life with God. He raises the dead. That's provocative. There are some times where you have to find hope wherever you can. One of the One of the ways that people understood the faith of Abraham when he was about to sacrifice Isaac is this, that he believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead after he was sacrificed. Abraham had to come up with some way, some way that his faith in this reality he was facing would work together. Same for Paul. We couldn't rely on ourselves. We had to rely on God. Not just emotionally. Not just to feel better. Not just as a uh, therapist. you understand what I'm saying? It, therapists are good. But God was more than a therapist for Paul. And then let's go on. Paul writes... He has delivered us. See, this is where the proclamation of the word of reality is so important. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He has delivered us. Say that with me. He has delivered us. Have you ever experienced God setting you free from some peril? Delivering you? Rescuing you? If you have, wave at me so I know who I'm talking to. He has delivered us. And he will deliver us again. Let's say that. He will deliver us again. Now, has delivered us, that's speaking of the past tense. But this looks like its future, it's actually speaking to their present situation. He will deliver us again. The situation that we're facing, the challenge we're facing, the challenge you're facing, he will deliver us again now, in this present time. And then third, on him we've set our hope. Hope. Who am I talking to here today? (laughs) We set our hope. Courage, faith, hope. Hope. We've set our hope. Our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Do you see how courage and faith and hope work together? You need more than one tool in your toolbox, (laughs) folks. You know the old saying, if the only tool you've got is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail because that's all you can do. Courage helps us, faith helps us, hope helps us, desire helps us. What kind of desire? The desire that's born of a living relationship with God where we abide in the Lord and with the Lord. We let his word abide in us. And that changes us so that we can ask what we will, and it will be done. Because we're no longer asking for the wrong kinds of things. We're asking for what God wants. We learn to ask Him. There's a prayer Yeshua taught us that speaks exactly to this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? You know what that means? I want what you want. You already know what you want. I knew what I wanted. But... Now I want what you want. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not a prayer for somebody else. That's a prayer for us. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And here it's interesting. It's not just deliver me. It's deliver us. Paul is talking about we and us, that we have something together about our, our future because of God having brought us together. And then he points in this interesting direction. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. You have a part two, help us by your prayers. And then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor Granted us in an answer to the prayers of many. And that perspective helps guide us during difficult times. As well, it helps us when we're praying for Israel and for the Jewish people, and when we're praying with Israel and with the Jewish people. There's a difference in praying for and praying with. We're right now at the end of the three week period that is called. Three weeks. That's one of the names. Another name in, in Hebrew is Ben HaMetzarim, between the borders, or it can be translated dire straits, but between, between difficulty. And this three week period is a time of grieving for the destruction of the first and second temples in Jerusalem. And it starts with the 17th day of the Hebrew month of Tammuz, where many tragedies are recorded to have taken place. That's the date that's traditionally associated with uh, Moses breaking the original Ten Commandment tablets when he came down from the mountain and saw the Israelites were worshipping the golden calf. And it was the date associated with the, the Roman occupiers forbidding sacrifice to be made in the second temple in 69 in the common era. And in the following year, the walls of the old city of Jerusalem were were breached and that attack led to the destruction of the temple three weeks later at Tisha B'Av. So this period of three weeks, Ben HaMetzarim, is a time of mourning. However, And there is an important however. It's not a time of despair. Now we mourn together with all of Israel. And we pray for comfort to be poured out. And here's why Yeshua said, he taught us this, blessed are those who, who mourn. They will be comforted. And we learn to mourn, not to suppress, not to deny, not to push down. We take Yeshua's teaching seriously. There's comfort for those who mourn. Now, after the fast of Tisha B'Av, which starts tonight at sundown and goes until uh, Sunday, sundown, it's time to shift mood. So after that, the name of the month, Av, is, is transformed a bit. It's called Menachem Av. Say that with me, Menachem Av. Menachem means comfort or comforter. And Av means father. And and so you can put these two together and say Menachem Av means the father, the comforter. Or the comfort of the father. And it's also, for those of us who are disciples of Yeshua, Menachem Av is also a reference to the Holy Spirit. So there's a shift. And this gives us a lot to meditate on. It gives us a lot in addition to the mourning and the sadness, it points us in another direction that we get through that because of the comfort that our Father has for us. So, with that in mind, let's let's look at the topic of Kadima prayer one more time, remembering that Kadima prayer combines faith, courage, hope, desire. It puts all those together. But not all prayer will really move us forward. So four quick kinds of prayer that won't move us forward. The first one I call double-minded prayer. James says the double-minded person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So what's double-mindedness? It's when we can't decide do we trust the Lord or not. If we've decided we don't trust the Lord, Asking, gimme, gimme, gimme. It doesn't make sense. It's double-minded. If you need wisdom, ask for wisdom. Ask the Lord for wisdom. He does not find fault with those who ask him for wisdom. If you don't know what to do or how to pray, ask him. It's a good thing to do. Don't be double-minded, though. Trust the Lord, and don't just bounce back between trusting and not trusting. You can have questions, you can have emotions, you can have uncertainties and still be trusting the Lord. So determine for yourself if you're double-minded. If you are, that's the issue. Deal with it. Now there's another kind of prayer I call generic prayer. This is a useless kind of prayer that we could be tempted to, uh, to try to use ourselves when we're praying for other people or even ourselves and we don't know how to pray. And someone comes up to us and we don't know how to pray. We're trying to be polite. And we pray like this, Lord, you know what what this person needs. And all the while inside you're going, I don't have a clue what they need. I would tell you, don't fall into that generic prayer, not about others and not about yourself. If you don't know how to pray, don't just be polite, ask the Lord to show you. If you have to pray in the spirit until he opens up your understanding, do that. And then there's another kind of prayer that I would call complaining prayer. And that's where what what we're really doing is not expressing trust, we're just fetching. And we're giving voice to every complaint that we have about our Heavenly Father, about people, about our situation, about our leaders, about the past. And let me tell you this, fetching is not faith in dirty clothes. It's not faith. It's just dirty clothes. When when we are just complaining, we've clothed ourselves with dirty garments. And so it's not real prayer. It does not move God. It does not stir God. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Those who come to the Lord must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We don't want to clothe ourselves in complaining. And then the fourth kind of useless prayer is is not exactly prayer. It's prayerless prayer. It's funny, isn't it? Uh, It's where we think about praying and we intend to pray, but we never actually get around to it. And we have prayer lists, but we don't pray them. And we tell people we're going to pray, but we don't actually pray. That's prayerless prayer. It's useless. But we can all fall into it. So Kadima prayer moves us forward. It moves our situations forward. It's not a formula. It's not uh, a guarantee. It's an approach where we're trusting Hashem, we're loving Hashem, we're walking with Hashem, we're staying close to Hashem. It's, it's not a method that will guarantee that you'll get what you're praying for, but it's an approach that will move you forward with the Lord. And don't forget also about fasting and prayer. Combining fasting together with prayer. And I don't mean dietary fasting. You know, like intermittent fasting where you don't eat this because you're trying to lose weight or whatever. It's not about a diet. It's about um, denying ourselves in a sense and acknowledging that we are weak before God, but he is strong. We fast and pray, and don't forget to pray with others and for others. And I want to tell you this, that... When you combine your courage with your faith, with your hope and your desire, and you can be honest with the Lord about your need to be rescued, and you can be honest about your feelings with the Lord, then you can make a shift. And really, these are the last words I want to share with you. It's a shift into a Philippians kind of prayer. And there are two aspects to that. The first one I want to go over is uh, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8, which says simply this, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Now, it doesn't mean suppress your worry. It means you've dealt with your worry by casting your anxiety upon him. And instead of just being overwhelmed by worry, you pray about everything. Tell the Lord what you need, And thank him for all that he has done. And then you'll experience Hashem's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Messiah Yeshua. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You can do those things when you've moved through and into this position. Don't just jump there. If you've got anxiety you've gotta deal with, deal with it before the Lord. If you've lost hope, deal with that. Be honest with the Lord so you can get to this place. And that will then lead you to, the, to a certain kind of confidence that's wrapped up in Philippians 1 verse 19. I know that this difficulty will turn around and I will be rescued and delivered because of your prayers and the provision of the spirit of Yeshua, the Messiah. That's the confidence that comes to us when we combine all of this in our prayers. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you can give us that confidence. We thank you that you can bring us through everything we need to move forward with you. We honor you. We say Baruchat Adonai Eloheinu Hatov Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, the good one, and the doer of good. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. So would you please rise? We're gonna close with Aaron's blessing. And if it's your custom and protocol to stand with someone, Please do, if you need to keep protocol distance, let others around you honor that. And those who might hear this by podcast later, thank you, Aaron, for coming close. Those of you who may hear this later, would you consider standing with us financially? And if this live stream is or podcast is a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information is at BethisraelNow.com giving. So let's close with Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you, keep watch over you, guard and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you with all of his favor. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. 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 From Sandy and me, from Cantor Aaron, the whole Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us today. Shabbat Shalom.